Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by the Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. The Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Who? Turn it on. There we go. Who? Who is Luke Hancock? Mike I don't James. That guy. Who? You know how many times I've thrown a Mike James who out oh, in the sure. studio as we sure. started balling a little bit lately. Good to have you back in here. Welcome into the drive on Thunderbell. Luke, how is everything going, buddy? This is the uh, supposed to be kind of the, the overall most wonderful time of the year. We're still heading towards there, even if it's not going great here locally uh, with the uh, the old men's basketball team. But Super Bowl's over. Everyone starts paying attention to basketball now. Yeah, I mean it's been a heck of a lot more fun lately. I'll tell you that. That is true. Um, for me personally, it's really I kind of grind it out, but football and basketball together is just such a great time. There's so much to watch. There's there's so much going on in the sports world, and then once football ends, I'm kind of full bore. So um, it's kind of crazy to think we got a month left of the regular season. Yeah, eight weeks from yesterday was the, is the, the uh, NCAA na- national championship game. Yeah, so uh, for me, I, I get a little busier right now. Uh, especially last week was crazy, crazy. Um, had a bunch of Tuesday, Saturday games um, going up to ESPN, but I'm um, excited to be back in here and chop it up with you. I know we got a lot to catch up on. And then, uh, yeah, man, it's just you see the light at the end of the tunnel at this point, mid-February, to pick it up at that point and, and get a little bit more focus on college basketball is all great. And, um, yeah, man, I'm just excited for the home stretch here. Well, we've got a ton uh, that we are going to get into here uh, today, including this Louisville game tonight against Boston College. Another opportunity uh, for Kenny to get another win, for this team to get another win, and just sort of continue what has at least been um, a stretch of games that have been more fun to watch, if nothing else. But, of course, there's going to be some challenges uh, with that. Uh, Now with the news that Sky Clark has a rib fracture, uh, which hurts like hell 
I can tell you firsthand. Hurts him or hurts the team or yes, or just all, all of the of above. It. Yeah, yeah. No, it's miserable. It, I've never had a rib fracture. I've had lots of injuries. Sucks. Never done that. Is that a type of injury where like taking Every, a breath hurts? Yeah, or just any movement yeah. hurts? All I, of it, huh? Yeah, as, as long as you don't breathe, it's fine. <laughs> the way you described that reminded me of uh, Jameis Winston that one time where it was like, "Can you describe the pain going on, Jameis?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, just, just all pain. Just all pain. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I immediately went to uh, Mike Tyson. You're injured. My back is broken. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> Spinal. Spinal. <laughs> That's what I got out it, of it. It's miserable. It hurts to turn. It hurts to cough. It hurts to breathe. Any, any, no fun. Yeah. It's to, uh, to bend over, pick anything up, twist your torso. Like It doesn't matter. It's awful. Uh, imagine trying to fight through screens. Yeah. Oh, post yeah. up on somebody. Box out. What? Uh, it, it's just taking a shot alone just uh, yeah ugh. right all of it it's it's miserable hopefully it's just is is not a major and it can heal pretty quickly cuz the pain it happened to me when i was in high school and it it did heal pretty quickly well that's a good thing uh, i will say as much as you are all about good sportsmanship and i certainly never did anything like this but when the other team finds out you got a little rib injury something to that effect oh sure they are going to go after you a little bit comes a little bit of a magnet right yeah you're going to get hit a little harder with screens um, if I got a, not me again, if someone has a chance to box you out, they're probably not avoiding, um, making that more uncomfortable while you're out there. So, uh, it does sound like one of those injuries where you got to kind of be a little bit further along before you get back on the court. So we'll talk, uh, about that as has always been uh, the case this season, something we love about him, Jeff walls, who's had an eventful week, had an eventful weekend, uh, is going to join us at four 30. And I am uh, I'm excited to talk with him, although I'm not. I'm supposed to be the one that gets him to say bad stuff about the refs. He's not supposed to do it on his own and then come on. So I'm a little disappointed <laughs> with that. Like, uh, but I've been trying all this time to sort of get this out of him, and then he just does it on his own. Uh, but this is what it took uh, for that sort of thing to happen. Uh, I look forward to talking to him at 4:30, and uh, we'll see. Um, we'll see what the latest is there. Oh yeah, I can't wait. Um, and very appreciative of him. I know there's uh, a lot of noise going on uh, with some of his comments, but I told you this before the show started. Anytime you ever hear a player or a coach start a sentence with, I, I know I shouldn't say this, or I'm, I'm going to get fine with this, that's okay. I'm going to get fined for this, that's okay. I'm still going to say it. I just I perk right up. It's always when the good stuff comes out, so we'll get him to elaborate a little bit. Yeah, it's always like, shh, you guys got all right, yeah. all right, go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, go let ahead. me pay attention to this extra close. You said you were going to get fined. Let me... Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I want to hear every word of that. Uh, it's like the opposite of like, look, I'm not racist, but, and then you're like, you know, this is going to be racist. I don't want to hear this. But if somebody's like, I know I'm, I know I'm going to get fined for this, but I want to hear every word of this. Oh, yeah. it's like, All of it. And they know exactly where the no-fly zones are. Oh, yeah. They know exactly what they're not supposed to say. Yeah, this is Leroy Jenkins. Here we go. Like, I'm going to yeah. do it. I, but to me... I don't know how you, how you feel about this, but who was the coach that just came up there and said, uh, don't ask me because I'm not going to lie because I'd have to lie. I know I'm going to get fined if I... Uh, no, it was Kelvin Sampson in Houston. Yeah. So yeah. he comes up there on the podium and he's like, how much of the $25,000 fine are you going to pay? <laughs> okay, well, don't ask me stupid <laughs> questions. You know I can't answer that. See, I, I'm, I'm all for a Jeff Walls moment where it's like, you know what? I know this will hurt a little bit, but this needs to be said. You know, just go out there and say it. And I know that he, whatever, has his reputation uh, among referees, right? Like we, we know this. Uh, and so I, I think it might be easy to just dismiss this as Jeff being, uh, what's what's a good euphemism? Colorful. How about that? 
mercurial when it comes to referees, something like that. But I think in this case, I, I think a lot of the reaction that you've seen from him, one, just a maniacal competitive person, but also the fear of this lingering over the team. And I think some coaches, when you the, the lash out afterwards, is because they know they've got to send a message to their own locker room. I'm going to defend you. You know, I'm going to speak up for you. I'm not going to let you get run over. Because I could imagine being a morale issue if, if this sort of like lingering, like they're out to get us. That's interesting. Yeah, it's just the highs and lows of college basketball. Like you look at Louisville and, you know, they, they lose to NC State. Huge win against Notre Dame. That's always such a fun game. So it's become such a great rivalry game. Um, and then you turn around and you, and you lose an emotional game and one that, yeah, I don't know anybody who thinks that was a good call um, against Syracuse, but teams do this this time of year. Great teams do this this time of year. You look at you know Carolina on the men's side, you lose to Georgia Tech, and you turn around and beat Duke and pretty handily, especially yeah, for that controlled game. Controlled that game, yeah. Right, and then you turn around and you lose your next game. So it happens, it's the highs and lows. Um, it's about getting your team to kind of refresh their mindset and then the championship mindset is that you approach each game like it's your last one. And you play with that desperation and, you know, getting a tough call like that, especially on the road, um, it hurts. But I agree with you. You got to keep your locker room tight and, and keep them focused on kind of the, the important thing, the next thing. So, look, we got a lot uh, that we will talk about. We've got an extension of the TV rights with the college football playoff with ESPN that was just announced. And these bastards are determined to ruin the thing we like the most. You know, with talk of expanding the freaking NCAA tournament. We can talk about that uh, as well. And we'll take your calls, your texts throughout. Uh, Maybe if there's time, some of the early, early coaching rumors uh, swirling around, we can at least uh, pulse some of your feelings about uh, some of that uh, as well. But we've got this one tonight. Luke, we haven't really had a chance to talk much since they won two out of their last three games and really ought to be on a three-game winning streak. At this point, and I think you can go really all the way back to from the Wake Forest game, after the Wake Forest game forward, it's basically been back and forth competitive games. You had the Miami win, you get annihilated by Wake, and then from there forward, you've won a couple, but they've all been kind of in a competitive range, none of the usual sort of rolling over and letting uh, things snowball or any of that stuff in defeats. Like Even when they've lost, they've stayed in it. They've made teams earn it, the, like the game at Clemson, for instance, stuff like that. Like they've hung in there. NC State here, Virginia's the only one I would uh, yeah, not Virginia's include. There. Which yeah. Virginia does that to a lot of teams, especially young teams that can be undisciplined at times. But I agree with you. I mean, it's it's been so much more fun to watch them lately. Even I, I've told you this, told this on the radio, but it's gotten to a point where we're not going to talk about Louisville basketball on the ACC network until they give us an, a, a reason to. And that's tough for me, obviously being a Louisville guy, a Louisville fan. But lately, being more competitive, you can't overlook Louisville right now. And so even if you're not going to, you know, say that they're going to win, to be competitive is just a total different space than I think we've been in for much of the season. I'm glad that you said it that way uh, because I think that that for just for us all to make it through this until the end of the season and then whatever follows after that, thank God they're just – more fun to watch yeah like I'm, I'm not even talking win or lose which we should be but i'm just saying for the sake of this being tolerable thank god they have become a lot more fun to watch and i don't just mean the outcomes i mean the process 
uh, and I mean the way they look, the way they're, the body language, yep. all of it. It is just it's a lot more enjoyable to watch, even when they don't win. It doesn't offend anyone anymore. And I think for a while there was a, you know, obviously the whole first year and a good chunk of this season, you watch them play and you're like, you're this is this is parody. You're mocking you, like you can't. I'm bothered. I feel morally conflicted to support this. And now you might not like it. But you're not being asked to compromise at all to support this. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there's been a handful of games where without that five-minute stretch, they would win. You yeah. know, and, and that hurts, but you're still being competitive for the mass majority of the game. You're putting yourself in a position where you could win. And like I said, that's just dramatically better than we've been at times this season. Um, I've talked to ACC coaches who've said, man, that Louisville team, they've got a lot more talent than people are, are really giving them credit for. And it's going to be one of those where you don't want to play them late in the season because of what they can do to your resume. And it, they're not an easy out right now. I've heard that from multiple coaches. It actually started with Kevin Keats. Win at Miami, then turn around and play a close game with, with NC State. And he, we talked for, I don't know, 30 minutes after about all kinds of things. But he was like, that Louisville team's got some talent. He was very complimentary of Sky Clark, Mike James, Brandon Huntley-Hatfield in particular, and then had some good things to say about the freshmen. So... You know, like I said, it's been a lot more fun, um, not just the wins, but being more competitive like this. And, you know, as much as it was brutal to watch even the early parts of that Clemson game, was that four games ago or so, to see the fight at the end. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, it's it is it's progress. There's really no there's no reason to to fight that. Do you uh, see anything that you pinpoint where you're like, this thing is totally different and this is why? Brandon. He's been so much more assertive inside. He's been dominant. Yeah, he. I think he. Um, he, like his chest is out, you know, and I see him uh, realize I'm going to bully this guy, you know, that sort of thing. Yep. Uh, and you didn't see that from him, you know. I think he was very introverted, and the shoulders were kind of hunched. And now that chest is out, the shoulders are back. He wants the ball. Yep. I've seen him a couple of times demand it. Yeah, I want to see more of that. And that's but. exactly right. Think about the beginning of the year, Luke. Where you and I would joke and i'd be like tonight it's the brandon hunley hatfield commit a charge challenge anything <laughs> stop being so polite and just bully and he is and i i think he maybe more than anybody else he gives them something like everyone else is like okay this is our thing and then we're all gonna fill in roles around it and it helps it, they have an identity when they have the ball yep the thing that's probably almost assuredly why Kenny's not going to be back here next year. They still really don't defend anybody. But the last 10 minutes or so of the Georgia Tech game, they most certainly did. And it's one of the first times we've seen it. Tonight is an opportunity to to say to show me like you're going to do that again. Right. Because like that the goal isn't to show me you can ever do it. Oh, the they've goal, already told on themselves. Yeah, sure. that exa- that's so good. The goal isn't to show me you can do it. The goal is to show me you can do it every game, all the time. Yeah, because that's that's what we're that's the goal that's the standard here. But it's there at least now we know it's in there. Yeah, and and I think part of it is that confidence. It's how you handle the ebbs and flows of the game. You know, I, I think these guys went into at least the ACC slate feeling like, man, things are so bad. Everybody's down on us. We're not going to win. Like this, this is this is such a. As soon as we handle adversity in the game, it's going to cripple us. And whether they they didn't say that going into the game, but I, you could see it in body language. You could see it, guys. Guys throw their hands up and they look over to the sidelines and they 
they look at a referee and they just are, are kind of lost when a bad call happens or when they get a little ticky-tack foul or a bad play. And I think these last few games, I've just seen them more on it in terms of those runs are going to happen. Basketball is a game of runs. And whether they go on a 10 or a 15-point run and, it, and you just are, are feeling like you're dead in the water, it's going to turn. And you have to be able to draw that line in the sand and say, all right, this is our time. We're going to make our run. And I think they've done a really good job in these last few games of, number one, I think in that Florida State game, anytime Florida State tried to make their run, they had an answer. Yeah. And you had to score against that team, just the pace of the game and the flow of it. Um, I thought they, they've made mistakes in all of these games, bad turnovers. Some of them, you know, as I'm watching in studio, just drive me absolutely crazy. But they have an answer. And they don't get down by those few plays that just seem like in the past they would have led to 20-point runs and the game is over. And they don't have a punch back. Now, I've been impressed. I agree with you about Brandon, though. He's uh, I put something up on Twitter and said, first-team all-ACC guys. I think these few are locks. This last position is going to be a, a toss-up. And I said, RJ, PJ, Flip, and Mondo. And Mondo, maybe not a lock-lock. Although in that Duke game, you go for 25 and 13 or whatever he did. I thought that was one of those kind of performances that puts him in there. But a bunch of people, Brandon Huntley Hatfield. And he's not going to be anywhere close right. to first team. That's right. But I think it shows his impact. I mean, he's been, he's been very good lately. And, the, and I love how assertive he's being. When people think about Louisville now, they think of him first, right? I think so. I think so. Um, you know, there's just been moments in the season where Sky Clark's been shooting it well, and I think he kind of had the identity of the team, Mike James for a stretch. Uh, but I think of Brandon, and I think if, if Louisville is going to have a chance to win, he it's got to go on his big shoulders that he's going to have a big game. He's going to be impactful. Yeah, the it seems to be, I, I guess you could probably sum up everything in Brandon Hunley Hatfield and Tyler Johnson. That they've got a little of that in them just some, there's something about them, the confidence, and that they seem to have drawn other guys into it with them. And I, Mike James is not the most skilled guy on the team. He's never the most skilled guy playing in almost any game Louisville's in. But he, he's the guy. We, he's the Dwayne Sutton guy we all love. He's got a, a will about him. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I think Sky Clark deserves some recognition, even though he won't be out there tonight because of the, the rib injury most likely. Uh, or for a while, perhaps we'll see. But go back to the summer and the the early preseason discussion about him. There were a lot of people, Louisville folks, who felt entitled to be really skeptical of him. Hey, quit the team in the middle of the year and all that. We'll see about him. Boy, yep. sure are a lot of eggs in that basket. That sort of thing. I th- I think his attitude has been good all along, and better lately, a lot better, uh, good and better. The entire time he's been here, I think he's been as advertised. Do you? I do. I, there was a stretch there where he he just wasn't being assertive enough. Yeah. Um, and I think when he started the season, he put together some big number games. I mean, he started the season having 20 against Texas and 19 against Indiana, 29 against New Mexico State, 21 against Bellarmine, 16 Virginia Tech, 16 DePaul, like – he was putting up some big time numbers, and I think his you miss a couple shots. It's a you know a, a pressure cooker right now for Louisville basketball. Their mistakes are kind of magnified, and he got into a little low. But these last two games, I think he's played really well. And the thing is, 
He's a guy who doesn't have to shoot a big volume number of shots, and he's still going to be really productive. He's a great yin and yang with uh, with Johnson, I think. You know, he's more steady, ceiling maybe not quite as high. I mean, with how fast Johnson is, and yeah. I, I like some of the decision making from from Sky Clark a lot better. And he, he late in the game, I want him to have the ball, but you know, both of them give you certainly different dynamics. He's been impressive at times this year for sure. Anything else that you sort of identify as a, a turnaround? I, I think Brandon Huntley Hatfield is is the guy. Um, getting more production from your four spot with Trey White having a big game or Caleb Glenn playing awesome last game. I think that is huge because again, if you're not going to play a small ball four that can shoot it, they have to be workhorse. They have to be do it all guys. They have to be great defenders, rebounders. You know, like Mark Mitchell doesn't shoot it great, playing a little bit small ball four, even though he's 6'9". But he does everything. If you're going to play Caleb Glenn and you're going to play Trey White at that position, they have to be impactful. And so I, I think those guys showing out a little bit more these last few games has, has certainly helped. Uh, but a mentality of just how you handle adversity. I don't know if it's just I don't I don't care. I don't I don't uh, I'm not going to worry about what people are saying anymore. I'm just focused on the next play. Whatever the light switch change has been these last three games, I just think they've handled adversity a lot better. Last four games, again, that Clemson run uh, in the second half was fun to watch. Uh, being down what twenty four in that game, yeah. So, uh, Texter asked this question, and I think it's a fair one, and it's kind of stole a, the thunder of a point I wanted to make, but I wanted to give the Texter credit for it. So here it is: How much do you think the limited roster has to do with the improved play? Has the team become closer because of it, and are they starting to play? for the other guys instead of just for themselves. I think there's something to be said for the injuries, uh, forcing some of these guys to realize it's, it's you. Yeah. And the coaches also be like, it's you. This is our, you are our only option. It has to work. But in, but instead of that making them complacent, which I think a lot of it did for a lot of the guys last year, they want it to work. I just don't think those, a lot of those guys last year just didn't give a damn. These guys do. They may not be, wonderfully taught but they do care and i think to the extent that i think it has forced them to just be very clear streamlined basic and they're they're nailing it now i mean i think all the good teams shorten their rotation towards the end of the year it's about who you can trust out there you're not experimenting with things anymore you're trying to fine-tune rotations you're trying to fine-tune i've got sky clark in there being steady when do i want to insert Johnson into the game and let him be that spark plug for us you know if if Trey White's doing his thing at that force but when do I want to give him a break and see what Caleb Glenn is going to get in there and give us on an energy front so I, I do think slimming down the rotation is huge I also think Louisville just let God slim down the rotation kind of you know you, you start to know like what you can and can't do if you're Brandon Huntley Hatfield and you know you're the five man and we don't have any other options well defensively you have to play a certain way you have to be early in everything. You have to kind of concede some baskets at times and then realize, like, we got to focus on the offensive end. We got to get out and run. If I'm playing Louisville, I put Brandon Huntley Hatfield in every pick and roll possible and I throw it inside every play at the beginning of the game. Every play, right? If you're going against Duke, you probably do the same thing with Filipowski. But this is what you've got. And I do think, like, watching film, knowing that they care, they're realizing, like, I know what I can and can't do. I've got to stay out of foul trouble, but I've got to find ways to be more impactful. And I think they do care a lot, especially 
you know, I'm not knocking any other guys, but I think Mike James, Trey White, and Brandon Huntley Hatfield are guys who really care. Yeah. And, and they know, like, after going through this for as long as they have, that they need it. They need to change things. They've got to start improving. And it's, it's late, obviously, but it, like I said, it's been fun to watch these last few games. They're in for a challenge uh, tonight. Uh, Boston College is, they're not great. I think that they've been more consistent over the course of a full year than Louisville, and they're going to be mostly full strength, I think. Uh, Ken Palm's got Louisville losing by about nine, but that's not real. That's not totally reflective of this is not the team that played UMBC in Chattanooga that's going to be out there. You know, it's, and a lot of that's baked into Louisville's numbers. No doubt. Uh, I, I wonder if you could restrict. Uh, analysis statistically to from say the Miami game forward Louisville probably looks like a little bit different team as a with a statistical profile oh yeah no doubt um and and like you said they're still taking losses but you know you've gone through the gauntlet of your schedule you know you're not you're not playing North Carolina Wake Forest Duke Virginia Clemson in a row right now you've got Boston College 93rd in the country in Kimpom uh Pitt is 63rd both of those are away. You get Notre Dame at home. Notre Dame's 153. You get Duke on the road. Then Syracuse, Virginia Tech, Boston College to finish. That are all home games. So, I mean, if I'm Kenny Payne, regardless of what any fan thinks or anybody listening to this, like, you got to say, I'm going to be playing my best basketball in March, and we're going to make a run in the ACC tournament. I mean, that's how you have to look at it as a competitor. And this, the schedule does line up for you to be playing a little bit better down the stretch here. Uh, help, help me. I feel like I have a, like a blind spot or something here, that I, or a, I'm having a stroke or something. But uh, I was looking at Louisville's overall kind of profile on Ken Palm. They are top 60 defensively in one stat. Do you have any guess what it might be? Um, uh, maybe three-point field goal. Defense? No. All percentage? charges. No. Huh, no. That's not on Kempom. <laughs> non-steal turnover percentage. Okay. What is a defensive non-steal turnover? I, I, I'm i assuming that that non-steal turnover percentage just happens when you're on defense because the, so the nature of it. turn it over against them. They're forcing them to step out of bounds. Right. Those type of things. Shot clock violation. Yep. Okay. Those kind of things. What's that tell you? Um, I feel like that is a stat that maybe is the only one as a defensive stat that the their their improvement on offense could feed it just pressure on teams to keep scoring yeah that's a good that's a good way to look at it yeah you you have to push the pace you have to take more chances um you know obviously when you're on the offensive end it's easy to look at that stat and say okay you know stop throwing it out of bounds when nobody's guarding you stop stepping on the end line shot clock violations those things and the other way you know especially in terms of the shot clock violations it's easy to see you play defense at a high pace, high clip the whole possession, and they can't get a shot up, right? Um, in terms of stepping on the end line, that's just, you know, somewhat your pressure, but also um, I think it's just the pace of play that can kind of lead you into some of those things. And I've said this plenty of times about, you know, Carolina. One of the, the toughest parts about Carolina is that they force you to score. They force you to play at that pace. If you're thinking you're going to go play them in the 50s and just lock them up on defense – you're going to lose that game every time. You have to score against the, those teams. And, you know, Louisville's not great with the defensive metrics, especially with the injuries to the team. So they have to score. I mean, the, the strategy kind of lays itself out. You, you've got to force teams to be able to put the ball in the basket and be efficient. 
um, against you if you can't defend with physicality and at a high level every possession. Let's go ahead and take a quick break here. We can uh, go ahead and open up these phone lines. Uh, we can talk a little bit more about this one and what they'll do without Sky Clark out there, if that is the case uh, here. And we'll hear from you guys as well. Jeff Wall is going to join us at 4.30 on The Drive on 95 The Ville. Be right back. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience, too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Welcome back to The Drive. Presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome back into the drive here on 93.9 The Ville. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock. Uh, after we went off the air yesterday, the the total numbers for the viewership of the Super Bowl came in. It's now the m- most watched telecast of anything ever of all time. 123, almost 124 million people watch that thing across all of CBS's platforms. Luke, that is a bonkers number. Wow. I had not seen that. That just came out? Uh, yeah, li- late last night. Last night. Wow. 123-ish million uh, in viewership there for that one. It really had everything, right? There was a little bit of everything for everybody. Uh, the dominant guys, the underdogs, Midwest uh, uh, team, uh, t- freaking Taylor Swift, uh, like it had it all. Two of the teams that we identified as the best ones all year. It had something for everybody. Yeah, you know, going in, I, I didn't necessarily want either team to win. Um, I'm not uh, one of those people that was like, "Ah, oh, it's too much Taylor Swift." I hope they lose. I pretty much went into it thinking, you know, looking for a good game, and I thought the game was awesome. Um, I thought Brock Purdy did not play great. Um, Pat Mahomes made great plays down the stretch. Uh, kind of back and forth game that would I've wanted more than 16-16 going in or, or down the stretch in that game, yes. But uh, I thought it had the theatrics. It was fun. Um, Travis Kelsey almost uh, taking Coach's arm off or almost knocking him over there was uh, an intense moment. I didn't know how he was going to react to that. But uh, I thought the defense for Kansas City really stepped up. And, um, and then Pat Mahomes, too. He was just 
after the fact, it makes you think like, why was I so dumb and just didn't do <laughs> what I should have done and bet on my homes to win? I told you during the break, the only thing I bet was uh, after the first quarter, the over-under dropped to 32 and a half. And I was like, that's ridiculous. That's, that's scary low. So 16-16 down the stretch, knew somebody was going to score that last point and it was a good one. But yeah, that, that's the mark of like all the uh, the greats is that there are they leave this trail of people in their wake who are like, why did I try to outsmart myself <laughs> and bet something else? It was right there for us to retire and just never have a worry again. Could you just put the house on uh, on Pat Mahomes? What is it, three out of five now? Yep. I know everybody's kind of continued the conversation, but goat status is right around the corner. I mean, it, if Brady didn't exist, it, he's in there already. Right. Is it just about titles? I know that's such a big piece of it. No, but. I, uh, and the, like the all-time total stats and stuff too. Yeah. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, I think... Which he's got to be more than halfway. To yeah, I everything. don't know. An update, yeah, would be interesting, but he's got to be there with so I mean, much 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns I would baseline say, every year. I would say he's number two. Like, I think he's now? past Montana now. Yeah. But I also didn't grow up watching him, so I. But I I'm do there. Think, I think Patrick yeah, Mahomes is number I think two. So yeah. Too. Is this the most impressive of the of the Super Bowl runs? Think about who he went through. Oh sure, yeah. And then, like supporting cast in the other Super Bowls versus this one. I mean, it was Travis Kelsey and a bunch of dudes. I mean, Valdez Scantley, like he, how many passes did he drop down the stretch? I I, I didn't have very much Ran faith in him. In the freaking game. Yeah. I mean, who who gets the. Uh, the, the clinching Super Bowl touchdown, Hardman, I would not have had that. So it, I just thought this was, this run here was the most impressive. Um, still pains me big time that the Ravens weren't there because I thought this was the year. But uh, the legacy of Pat Mahomes continues. We're going to get to Paul here in just a second. I wanted to share this one thing. Uh, Neil Payne uh, writing uh, about Pat Mahomes uh, has a, you know, like a sub stack or whatever. It just... Here's some numbers he put. He said, let's put some numbers on that claim about Pat Mahomes just being what he is. Uh, since the 2001 season, 56 quarterbacks have led 125 drives in the playoffs in which it was the fourth quarter or overtime. The drive ended with under a minute left to play, and the offensive team was either tied or trailed by seven points or fewer going into that drive. So 125 total drives. Only 50 saw the offensive team score what they needed to to either tie the game or take the lead. So 50 out of 125. Great QBs tended to have better success rates than average in those situations. Tom Brady, for instance, was 5 for 11. So 46% uh, in those situations. Uh, Drew Brees, 3 for 6. Sure. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was 3 for 4. Josh Allen and Jeff Garcia each went a perfect 2 for 2. And theirs. But only one QB is the total absolute outlier. Pat Mahomes is 7 for 7 absurd so that feeling you have in the pit of your stomach they're like he's gonna drive down here and score that's right it's real he is i saw a stat that said when trailing by seven or more at halftime in playoff games he's nine and two now how is that real seven or more nine and two i thought that was absolutely wild crazy He's been that successful as uh, coming yep. from behind in the second half. And like I said, I'm an idiot because it was right there on the writing was already done. They script the NFL anyway, so you knew it was going to happen. 
Uh, I thought Kevin, uh, you're right. Kevin Clark wrote a, a good, just sort of a in awe appreciation of Mahomes uh, and what he does. That he never makes you apologize for how the team played because his performance also results in them winning, and that's what makes him different. But that the big thing, it, and that when people make Michael Jordan comparisons, the the fact that there were so many great players who just had the bad luck of playing when Michael Jordan played right, and didn't get to win championships because he was there. And we're talking about like the rest of the dream team <laughs> for, for better, for worse. Oh yeah. A bunch of other hall of famers couldn't win titles because he was there. And Mahomes is doing exactly the same thing. Bro squeeze through once. Other than that, like Lamar can't get there. Josh Allen can't get there. Like, no, you can't get there. They've got a stranglehold on it right now. And you, some of these guys are going to, really pass through their primes just based on not being able to get around because he's unbeatable. And you're going to be able to say, like, he still did it when Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers were around and then went on to dominate in the next kind of era. Mm, that's going to be a, a good talking point because it's also easy to look at, well, he had to beat Brock Purdy. He had to beat Mr. Relevant. But it's about the whole run. Yeah, it'd be two and Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. All exactly. The two of them on the road. Exactly. So... um yeah, the legacy continues. That I mean, those comparisons and the way you just put that, I think that's fascinating. You, you know, you talk about the era of the bad boys, the Celtics with their dynasties, uh, the Lakers with their dynasties, Michael Jordan coming into the league when all those were rolling, and then you didn't hear about those when Michael Jordan was going. And the next step of, like, Elijah Wan and why didn't Charles Barkley win and it just kind of keeps going and you see how many greats that just couldn't couldn't break through like you said 8150939 that's the number if you want to jump in here whatever it is that might be on your minds we'd love to hear from you Paul welcome into the drive buddy what's up hey just wanted to say you know it's been a real uh emotional weekend for uh Duval with the way the women lost and the way the men have been playing you know I think I'm officially a, a fence sitter on on the team as far as what I want to happen at the end of the season. Uh, you as, know, it, as in, like getting, you climbed back up on the fence. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm not on. I'm not on one side or the other right now. I'm kind of like, uh, you know, if Josh Hurd decides to keep him. I, you know, there must be something. You know, I've seen stuff there, and and Josh must have some confidence that that we haven't seen so great uh if he fires him then great let's move on and i hope we can retain as many of these players as we can because they have been exciting uh but the the real reason i called in tonight or today was to talk to luke about uh looking like the notre dame uh leprechaun on nothing but net over the weekend oh yes light his ass up go I mean, how many times I mean, do we ever get to pick on what you look like? I want to hear this. Nobody liked the jacket? All he, I liked it. All you needed was the shillelagh, maybe a little bit more on the beard and the top hat. You you could have been the uh, Notre Dame uh, Fighting Irish mascot. I, I mean, that, that was... I did get a few sharp. text messages now, from uh, from some buddies that said, who killed the couch? Who shot the couch? <laughs> which I appreciate. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I'm, about, I'm trying hard out here. I get a lot of compliments at you the track, maybe. The same That's it, man. You want to see me in a blue it. suit every time? Come on. I, well, you know, hey, next time, why don't you, same pattern, go red. I, I got one of those, so I, I will do. 
I've been waiting for Louisville to make a little charge here, so maybe that'll be this weekend. Appreciate the call there, Paul. Thank you. I didn't see that coming. I got to say, I didn't see... I can take a few critiques. I'm going to call him and tell Luke Hancock he dressed funny. I like that. That Paul is a bold man. I appreciate him. You know... um, He calls it like he sees it. (laughs) So... Um, I've gotten my wardrobe picked up a little bit at Executive Image. You know who that is? That's Grossman's dad. Ah, yeah. Ken's been uh, been taking care of me, so we're we're, we're going well, to continue to build it out. Take every word of that back. No, I mean, it, hey, I I will not wear like the same black and blue suit every time. So we're going to mix it up with some colors, uh, you know. And and uh, Louisville women ba- women's basketball beating up on Notre Dame it makes it all perfect. You need to be like Bayheim and get that inside liner. Of you dunking on the Notre Dame guy. I should do that. Last time he was in the studio, it was his uh, his kids' faces just like in Syracuse. So every print, jacket like, has something all, like that? His, yeah. yeah. It's got some kind of Syracuse I know not something. every suit jacket in the world. So. <laughs> I thought you were talking about mine. All, all two suit jackets Mark Owens has. Like, some <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go yeah. check mine. You should. Uh, Jimmy Beheim's, uh face is going to be he's, sitting there. He's got there. one with Dexter Jackson and one with Tom Brady. Right? <laughs> That's right. No, he's always coach is always fitted. He's he's got uh he's always got some good stuff. I'd say Boozer has the best wardrobe, which makes sense because of, you know, the millions of dollars that he made. It helps. Uh, it does help with the wardrobe, but by the way, you know coach Beheim uh came in he's come to do studio work with us this year. He's awesome to talk to. He's a lot of fun. Just has a totally different level of perspective with college basketball than I do. You can understand why, but um he had his first trip to Kansas this week. He was doing radio. Uh, for the Baylor game. So I haven't gotten to talk to him since, but I know he was fired up. That's still on my bucket list. I haven't been to Kansas. Whoa, I think Drew did whoa. recently. He went to a game at Fog Allen? Yes. For the first time in his life? Yes. The only time I can think of them playing Kansas was the title game in 03. He he coached for 100 years. That, I that, I'm fascinated, too, that he never went to Fog Allen. But and they were good. I guess they just never scheduled it. Because like I said, they played in the 03 championship against each other. But I guess he just never... Play them in the regular season. Yeah, I get, he's never been to Fog Allen. Has he been to Poly Pavilion yet? Yes. Okay. And so that's what I did. Like my initial thing was, well, I got these places that I still want to go see and check out. And he's he, he basically had a story for all of them. He was like at UCLA, we got drummed. He was like it was thirty years ago. We went over there thinking we were going to win, and they blew the doors off us. But he, every that time I mention anything, oh, me too, me too. That's why I brought it up. It's like of all the places, I figured that would have been a. Easy one, no brainer, because they've had great teams for ever. Well, I don't think he ever went forever. to Cameron until Syracuse beat the ACC. Because I think like one of the first games when he got that like technical that I was using the suit jacket. I'm there. shocked about that too. I think that was the first time they ever played at Cameron was when Syracuse joined the league. Yeah, just the perspective he has. Like I'm asking, we we do the Skywalker segment where it's kind of best dunks of the week, and uh, so I asked him who, who's his favorite dunker, and he said Dr. J. And I just, nobody now, I feel like, would put Dr. J in that conversation. I asked him who's, like, the best, who's the best college player? Maybe he didn't have the, the best, like, NBA career. He was like, oh, Bill Walton. He was like, Bill Walton was so good in high school and then in college. Some old man-ass he answers. Was, exactly. He was like, he was so dominant. And then you hear Rasheed Wallace getting on the podcast being like, what a fraud. Bill Walton's a fraud. He's a fake. <laughs> oh, it's not a fraud. Oh, yeah. Fraudulent feet, maybe. Yeah. But then, like... When you're talking to Coach Beheim, he just doesn't have to have a filter about anything. As Jim Beheim, say whatever he wants. So he's he just has been a lot of fun to work with. 
It's the funny Kansas how those guys was. all hate the media, and then they get out of coaching, and they all join the media. You know, he. I asked him about some of the things, like I wanted a "you're an idiot" kind of comment to me, asking him something or saying whatever, and he, he'll joke with you, but he's basically like, you know, sometimes you just want to mess with some of these people. Like that's just how it works. <laughs> I'm, oh, sometimes I, it's I a can show. Respect him at least admitting he was so upfront about it. The, the, I think Chris Max, uh, the, the year they played them here, uh, where Ryan McMahon went off, and he absolutely got into it with mike waters from syracuse.com like you know, yep. they're a long time beat writer i mean they, i felt like i was at my friend's house and his parents started fighting <laughs> awkward you know? we're not gonna yes, say I'm anything like, just... i'm in the, the media room at the yum center and, and him and mike are just like screaming at each other sinking back in your chair yeah it was bizarre i was like i'm not here this is weird you know he did mention it when i talked to him about it he said uh the guy that was the best messing with the media and could hold court with anybody, he was the most complimentary about Jim Valvano. Just spending time with him, he said... Seems like everyone liked him. It really everyone. does. It really does. He was like, he could hold court better than anybody. You could be sitting in a restaurant or a bar and there'd be every single person in there just huddled around him. He'd be telling stories. And he was like, and he would mess with media better than anybody. Incredibly complimentary things to say. I think that's somebody who doesn't take themselves too seriously, because it seems to me like the folks who take everything life and death seriously can't lighten up at all. And you get McElwain, you know, you, you attack my family and all that crap, man. Yeah. Dude, we just ask a question about the shark. <laughs> right. We know it ain't you. You know what I mean? And if Did you were a little shark or not, your family's fine. If you were a little forward thinking, you would have made a joke about it and it'd be over. But the fact that you did that, you know, like Rodney Terry. What are you doing going and, and accosting the other team when you put a horns down after they get a massive win? Do you think you're going to see horns down the rest of oh, the year? Oh, I know. Who was like, it? The BYU student section. They, and then the guy has to change their shirt. So, like, yeah, you can't do that, BYU. Which but makes sense because it's BYU. The crazy thing about that, it's, first of all, it's ridiculous. But it wasn't an actual horns down. It was the words horns down. <laughs> I didn't realize that. It was that. spelled out on their chests. What the hell's wrong with that? We're taking the words away too? Whoever I the administrator was, was that said, oh, this is just inappropriate. We need to go make sure that these students don't have the horns down on their shirts. That's just crossing the line. What? What are we talking about? And I'm so not for the, the athletes that are out there and they hear somebody in the stands, like the pro athletes that get people thrown out because they say that they're not good at basketball or that they, you know, there's some probably words that I would get in trouble for if I say what they say, but like that type of stuff, it used to be like you were a road warrior when you could go handle all that. Now it's like, nope, I'm throwing everybody out. Hate that stuff. We got to get a little more thick skin. Westbrook and LeBron are the worst about that. Worst. KD burner accounts. Yeah, not for me. Luca, big fan of his game. Not a fan of how he crushes referees and throws fans out of games. Not, not for me. I didn't know he crushed referees. <laughs> Luca? Yeah. I didn't know that. He's, he's probably like, just saying in Slovenian so no one knows what he's actually oh, saying. That what it is? That'd be actually a good I bet play. it sounds even worse. I'm sure it does, but it's like, no, I just told you to hope you have a good day. Like, you would just, you know, Talk get away with it. Yeah. You don't like, know. You have no idea what Which I'm saying. Which one of us speaks Slovenian? Right. <laughs> you can pin that on me. 81-50-93-9. That's the number. Look, to, just to quickly to go back to what Paul said there. He said, I'm back on the fence. What a tough place to be. That's interesting yep. to have won people back to the middle. But I, I look, I can appreciate it's improvement. Well, I can appreciate people being willing to call in 
and say, what I've seen lately has made me think differently. Not it's cured, not it's fixed, not he definitely should be back, not I was an idiot, but just it's better now, and I feel like I can recognize that. That is progress. It's, That's progress. It's, uh, it's, you're, we're still, look, we're still trying to get up to the back-to-basic sea level here, but we're going that way. Yeah, moving the right direction. But whether it's enough, we'll see. I'm not trying to answer any of those questions. Yeah, that's it's what I was going to say. Better. I don't know if I'm I'm ready to put myself out on a limb and say if we do this, we we everybody's going to be back. But in a vacuum, it has been fun to watch lately. Yeah, cheering them on, seeing them competing, scoring 101 points against Florida State in regulation. In regulation, yeah, it's it's been fun. So I'll uh, commend them for that and and talk very positively. Caleb Glenn was my uh, we give game balls away on Saturdays. Who, who kind of showed out, and um, I thought his energy, I don't know if you remember, but I was very high on him from the beginning. Chris Mack actually told me a story when he was recruiting him about uh, this guy wakes up early before school. This is, was, was when he was in high school, but goes and works out, lifts weights, goes to practice, they have practice after. He might shoot around or whatever after practice, and then he's a gamer, just goes and plays video games. And I'm like, you know what? You're waking up early, you're going to stay late, putting the work in and then your your recovery is not going out not you know running around it's just playing video games this sounds perfect you know you want a basketball guy that's what Caleb Glenn is you can tell like he doesn't look like a freshman yeah that's right you know he yep. looks like a tight end looks like a senior basketball player probably so you know with his work ethic his mentality now that he's getting a little bit of confidence I think he's got a really high ceiling little mechanical with the jump shot but that you know you can work your way through that uh, but a lot of things to like. I thought he played awesome. Well, I know you can't convince any player now, young player now, uh, t- to focus on things other than shooting. But I would give just about anything to to do like one of those sci-fi sort of mind melds and just put Montrez's brain into his body because he could do that. And I think he could play NBA basketball for a long time if he was just addicted to setting good pick and rolls, dunking, and getting rebounds. NBA basketball. Yeah, he's got to shoot. About- he's got to shoot it well. At six foot six. No, okay, that's fair. He doesn't have the the like long arms of Montrez. I know Montrez is a little taller than that, but that it, mindset though. That mindset I love, especially for a freshman. We've talked about this so many times. Freshmen want to play a certain way. They want it to look a certain yeah. way. Like how many times do you hear big guys that are like in that swing, you know, three four spot that are like, I don't want to play inside. Yeah not going to do that i want to to play on the perimeter yeah Yeah. exactly where he's saying i'm going to do all the little things to play more and then i'll figure out the other aspects of my game which is exactly how you should do it you've been begging for that begging you know i i heard trey white didn't want to play the four okay let caleb glenn play and you can split time at the three if you want to it's less minutes for you it's more minutes for somebody who's going to embrace that perfect you know and, and caleb's had plenty of moments this season where you know, the, the game's been a little too fast or he's made that kind of boneheaded mistake. But getting to play through those things, getting 31 minutes because he was rebounding, because he was blocking shots and getting steals and just I, – I loved his intensity intensity in that game uh, against Georgia Tech, and I think he's going to continue to see more and more minutes. I think people have been – and it's a shame what happened uh, with Dennis Evans. It really is. Oh, yeah. Uh, but the, the core group of freshmen, there's a lot to be excited about that group. No doubt. I mean, I think he said it way too late and figured it out way too late, but they, they are a few pieces away. You know, the the core of 
you know, Curtis Williams, Johnson, White, Sky Clark, Mike James, Caleb Glenn, and Brandon Huntley Hatfield. I mean, you've got seven or eight guys. You had a core of four in there. That, I mean, that is a great core. If there's 13 guys on a roster. You go get you two or three or four transfer pieces that fill in some gaps here, give you a little bit more bodies, especially in the back or the uh, front court. Excuse me, that's where you're you're really thin. Yeah, I could see, I could totally see the blueprint of what happens year two. Uh, you look at another, you know, if if you do give KP the benefit of the doubt and say, you know, this is the first year with his guys, look at what Micah Shrewsbury's doing with Notre Dame. You know, they're in the same boat, trying to figure it out. So. Year two is, uh, you know, however you want to look at it, it's fine. But giving guys time and it maybe not being perfect in year one, um, look at what's going on in South Carolina. And they lost their lottery pick guy too. Yeah, GG. Yep. And I, I think that also has to do with, like, did he fit the identity of what that team's trying to do? Um, it could be an addition by subtraction thing, and he's doing great in the NBA. His game probably fits there a little bit better, but – you know, they, they piece together a lot of different personalities and skill sets, and man, he looks great. I mean, he he should be a front-runner for Coach of the Year, I think, with where their expectation was and what oh, he's done this sure. season. And look, this is a good uh, reminder to all of us uh, to chill out about judging coaches on one year. Uh, Lamont Paris in the good direction, because year one was not great. This is fantastic. And Dennis Gates at Missouri, year one was fantastic. This year, not so good. Yeah, exactly. Not so good at all, actually. And you see uh, coaches that do have that first-year success, usually has to do with potentially bringing some players along with you. Having uh, a head start, basically. Yeah, it's right? not, it's not a, I'm not saying that is a hugely negative thing, but sustained success is a little tougher. It's an, yeah, it's an explanation. Like, for me, yeah, I think that makes sense of things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Lamont Paris has won seven straight wins against Kentucky, Tennessee. I mean, some of the SEC jokes are uh, are in there too, but those are great wins, 1-7 straight. I think he's going to be a front runner. Take a quick break uh, here. We'll continue to take your calls, your texts. We'll be right back here on the drive on I thought the bell. Be right back. 